Hello and welcome to the first audio installment of The Inner Landscape. This is a newsletter exploring human attention and the implications of our deepening relationship with technology. My hope is that this newsletter can offer some inner stability by connecting to our humanity and being intentional about how we attend to the world both within and outside of us. And I am on this journey with you. My intention is not to provide answers or techniques. I am simply thinking aloud and sharing my thoughts with you. This article is titled Talk To Me, and it's about conversation preferences and the illusions of control. I was on a work trip in Miami earlier this year and used Uber to get around the city. It was my first time using the app in a few months, and I noticed a new feature. I was given the choice of selecting whether I wanted to have a conversation with my driver or not. When I selected the driver, I, I could see that something opened up offering me ride preferences, where I could choose whether or not I wanted to engage in conversation, uh, the type of temperature that I wanted to set, if they needed to uh, come and get my bags. And this allowed me to construct the environment that I was entering into before I arrived. I could choose to converse with the driver or ride in silence, remaining in my own bubble, happily undisturbed. And I asked two different Uber drivers about this feature. Neither of them knew about it. They weren't aware of my conversation preference. The Uber press release on this feature presents the benefits of it. Quiet mode. Choose in advance whether you're looking for a quiet ride or a chatty one. If you're dialing into a conference call on the way to the office, you can request a quiet trip without any music or conversation to maximize productivity. The good old maximizing productivity benefit. I've played into that desire on many occasions myself. And I can see the upside of this feature. Last week I got a taxi from Dublin Airport and the driver Noel was so eager to chat. I didn't need to say much during the 35-minute ride because he was initiating the conversation the whole time. There were a few occasions where I tried to pull out my phone to answer an email, but I kept getting sucked back into the conversation. When I tried listening and reading at the same time, I was doing both poorly, so I put the phone away and offered my presence. And I thought about the Uber feature on that ride. A part of me would have loved to have had it so I didn't have to be in this conversation. But another part of me really enjoyed listening to him and learning about his world. As Ireland is continuing to get more expensive, we talked a lot about how the rise in living costs is impacting him. Noel put up Christmas lights around his house and garden for the past 27 years and told me that it delights all the children that live nearby. But this January his electricity bill came in at 1,200, which was double what it typically costs so he won't be able to afford the Christmas lights anymore. We also spoke about losing loved ones and the journey of grieving. Two of Noel's brothers passed away in 2021, which is the same year that my mother died, and we shared our tales of coping to one another. Listening and conversing with Noel reminded me of the beauty in being allowed to enter into another person's world and hear their stories. Our stories are our lives, and a simple exchange like the one I had with Noel left me feeling far more plugged into life than if I had been productively on my phone for the journey, simply just responding to emails. The anthropologist 
Thomas de Zengotita, has written about how our media creates self-reflective environments, custom-made for each of us. Media in this case refers to technology as a whole. It's not limited to communication channels only. He argues that we are surrounded by a flattering field of represented options, a place where everything is addressed to us, everything is for us, and nothing is beyond us anymore. We become insulated by our expectations and preferences. We are guaranteed to get what we like, but less inclined to get what we need. What we need is often uncomfortable for us. We are regulated by each other and by the natural world around us. And technology feeds the illusion that the environment is addressed directly to me and I can mediate the world to suit my needs. But the reality is that I am of this world and I am part of an evolutionary drive that has to adapt to its rhythms and cycles. Human interaction is central to that. As our use of technology, specifically smartphones and social media, has increased, it has changed our thought patterns and behaviour. We have become dependent on the tools that promise to liberate us. Based on data coming from the US, there has been a sharp rise in the use of smartphones and social media. And while I don't think this will come as a surprise to any of you, what's interesting is the corresponding trends that align with this increase in use. As the use of smartphone and social media has increased, there has been a steady decline in daily social interactions between 8th to 12th graders, which, for those outside of the US, would be in the range of 13 to 18 year olds. In 1985, about 50% of teens met up with their friends almost every day. In 2005, that was starting to shrink down to about 45%. And in 2015, that number has plummeted to the high 20s. So in the range and region between about 25 to 28%. And texting and exchanging messages can present itself as being connected with one another. But there are levels to connection. Connection and communication via digital means often limits us to a surface level interaction. For example, in 2020, I moved back to Ireland while my girlfriend stayed in New York. It felt as if I had three different girlfriends because of the three ways that we communicated. There was the girl I knew through writing letters, speaking on FaceTime, and being together in person. Each medium shaped how we engaged with each other, but writing letters and being in person provided a depth of connection that FaceTime and text messages could never reach. There's also a large set of data on the increase in reported loneliness over the past decade. And the generation that are suffering the most are those who were born into a hyper-digital world. The chart that's included in this article shows the increasingly poor state of mental health amongst teenage girls in the US. And just to explain and elucidate it to you through this audio format, there has been a dramatically sharp increase from 2011 in circumstances of suicide, self-poisoning, major depressive episodes and depressive symptoms and it appears that these trends continue to rise while they were kind of in a steady phase between 2001 to 2011 since 2011 there has been a dramatic increase our devices and apps offer us the promise of convenience and comfort a world which we can mediate to meet our needs expectations and preferences but social interactions are unpredictable and varied it forces us to adapt. Spending long enough in this state of mind can turn the real world into the problem, because in a mediated world, the opposite of real isn't phony or illusional or fictional. 
is optional. The mediated life fools us into believing that a good life is one of choice and options where our preferences will always be recognized and answered. And this is a recipe for frustration and disappointment. As Mogadad explains in his book, The Happiness Equation, your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life and the expectations of how life should behave. Simply put, if the experience is better than your expectations, you are happy. If the experience is worse than your expectations, you are unhappy. Through my work, I see so many people who are held hostage to their devices. Their smartphone becomes the stimulant and the pacifier. It's what jolts them into a state of panic when they open their inbox in the morning, and it lulls them to sleep at night as they lay on their side scrolling through social media. Our lived experience is a shared experience. A friend of mine who spent many years documenting the atrocities in war zones like the Congo and Gaza told me that there is so much we could learn from how they find resilience in hardship. They dance, they sing, they eat together. They create shared experiences and this bonds them together. We do not control this world. We are of this world. So just to give a little bit of commentary, this is something which I may do, which I may not do. I'm, I'm exploring this medium. While I have really, you know, honed in on the, the message and the impact of this Uber feature, really it's, it's just to serve as something to draw our attention towards. Because in so many of the progressive elements that technology seems to offer us, it's always coming through the lens of increased convenience. And I think we should be aware and conscious of the trap of convenience, because it, what can seem convenient in the immediate moment can have a lot of unintended consequences later down the line. And as we can see through our convenient social interactions, through our phones and social media, it has made the stuff that we need, such as spending time together in person, opening up to have spontaneous conversations, inconvenient. And when that starts to become molded into our minds, it, it starts to manipulate and change how we expect the world to be. And I was writing this and a few days beforehand, it was something that I, I thought of including, but uh, I didn't. Last weekend, I was, I was reading outside of a coffee shop. I was sitting outside and there was an American family. I'm currently in Barcelona. So there was an American family walking past me and the parents and one of their children, there was four of them, two girls and parents. The girls were teenage girls, they looked like they were kind of in the range of 12 to 14. And the two parents and one of the daughters were walking slowly and their heads were cocked back. They were really taking in all of the sights around them. And then the daughter in front uh, really aggressively turned to them and said, could you please walk faster? You know that this is one of my pet peeves. Just keep up with me. And it, it, was, it was interesting to observe because 
when we have this agitation within us of what we want and how the group is not conforming to what we want, the more we try and lean into trying to control the group, the more frustrated we become because the more we become entrenched in our own expectations and what is best often is to relent, to, to release and to, to observe and to enjoy the experience that the other three are enjoying. So if they're slowing down to take things in, slow down and take it in with them rather than trying to force them to speed up so that we can just move faster because it's one person's pet peeve. And the more that that becomes reinforced, that that's our pet peeve, the more that that becomes reinforced, that we expect that people will just keep up with us. So the, the Uber feature is, 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 a, is also a scenario of that, where if we think that through a button, we can have control over whether somebody will even try to engage in conversation or not with us, it starts to feel that we can mediate human interactions in the real world through our phone. And the more we become, the more we start to expect that that's the way that reality is, is managed, uh, the more we get a distorted view of reality because we think that it's one that is, is constantly optional and open to our preferences. So it's, um, it's not to say that the feature itself is so dangerous and so lethal. That's not, that's not really what we were exploring here, but just to recognize the unintended consequences that can come from this. So I thank you for, for engaging and offering your attention and your presence. And I welcome any comments, feedback and perspectives that you may have to share on this.